Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ork, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going, man? Actually, it's pretty good. I'm on, well, I mean, I've been on vacation, I suppose, but I'm in Texas right now with my lady's family, you know, her mother, father, sister, brother-in-law kind of stuff. I've been here for a couple days. Finally tried Whataburger, and at the risk of creating enemies online, it was fine. It wasn't great. That's what I've heard, and everyone says you got to order off the secret menu, and to them I say, then that belies the quality of your product. Yeah, I guess, but we're not here to talk about Whataburger, are we? No, we're here to talk tunes with Woonvog. And I am back. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Uh, got a few days off from work because uh, January schedules suck. They have to push back hours for everybody, so it's been yeah. quiet, but time off is always nice. Yeah, until it becomes permanent. Yeah, there's uh, there's that. All right, so talking of uh, permanent time off, we'd like to begin, as we always do, with thanking our patrons, the people that make this whole thing possible. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, and currently our favorite patron, no offense to the rest of you, but this guy is, wheel him a fruit basket, uh, Chris Chipman. Uh-huh. Now, if you'd like to become a patron, just head on over to our Patreon, Geeks with Shields. It only costs 25 cents an episode, and it goes a long way towards helping us with this podcast. Seriously, you have no idea. But we're here to, today, instead of talking about, you know, Whataburger or patrons and stuff, just our intro. What we're actually talking about, like you said, is tunes, but not just any tunes. We're specifically here to talk about the Disney Channel, because we did episode on, like, you know, Cartoon Network, and I think we did an episode on Nick. I don't remember everything we've done, but I think it's time to talk about Disney. And at Ulrich's idea, we're limiting ourselves primarily to a decade for this episode, so we're talking specifically about 90s-era Disney. But yeah, you- I thought we'd uh, change it up a bit. It'll be exceptionally fun for me, because I like to consider Disney the greatest cartoons I never watched. Really? <laughs> Just because, unfortunately, I was all always more focused on Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. But on top of that, I also know Disney had the weirdest schedule with the releasing uh, of their cartoons. Disney. Because, like, sometimes they showed up early on Disney... Sometimes they were exclusive to Toon Disney. Others premiered on ABC before they were even shown on the Disney Channel. Yeah, it was weird. Now, I uh, mainly got to start with Disney because that was the only cartoon channel for a while. We didn't get Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network mm. until 96. Well, it's funny. Disney was probably my least favorite <laughs> of the like four main cartoon channels, if you count like Saturday morning cartoons on Fox, for instance. Uh, oh, Fox cartoons. Yeah, but that doesn't mean so that I get to them. I like, but in the '90s there was definitely less for me. I mean, like when I think of Disney cartoons, my favorite is probably Kim Possible, but that was an early aughts cartoon, not a '90s one. So, <laughs> yeah. So real quick before we jump in, uh, we are qualifying '90s cartoons with two real simple, you know, rules. One, the show must have had the majority of its run in the '90s, and it needs to have ended in the 90s so a lot of shows there's a couple of shows that premiered like 99 or 98 and they ran on into like 2000 2001 we're going to do those in our you know 2000s episode this is mostly this is all central in the 90s I think there's only one that really like died 99 2000 okay fair enough because literally i like as we started talking i looked up one show that i didn't see on the list and i was like oh when did this happen it was like 1997 to 2003 so i was like uh, i don't know but i guess we'll save that for later so yeah 
what are we actually going to talk about? Uh, we've got a a list that Ulrich made for us of things that I guess these are mostly Ulrich shows, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, these were all just ones I did a quick Google search of 90s cartoons on Wikipedia, and these are the ones that fell within the parameters. Hmm. All right, well, at the top of the list is a show that literally the only thing I know about it is the intro song, which is Gummy Bears. Gummy so, Bears was awesome. Yeah, the only thing I know is that that intro song, that uh, Gummy Bears, got really Bouncing stuck in my head. Here and there and, yeah, no, almost 30 years on, and it's still wedged firmly in my frontal cortex. Yeah, I don't remember much about Gummy Bears, but I remember it's like, yeah, amazing theme song. Uh it had like a lot of the Disney greats with the voice actors, uh, yeah, including like... the most pervasive Jim Cummings. Uh huh. But I also remember it had a super interesting villain because it was like a like a knight. Yeah, it was like the Black Knight, and he had his trog- oh, uh, troll ogre henchman, and he wanted the gummy berry juice because when people drank gummy berry juice, it made them super strong for a limited time, and he was going to conquer the kingdom. And did, they, come on. did the gummy berry juice come from the gummy bears? No, they were gummy berries. You had to go get gummy berries, and it made gummy berry juice. Okay, because this is about to sound a lot darker than I remember. <laughs> no, that's Smurfs. Yeah, right. Because that's the whole idea with Smurfs is that Gargamel wanted to eat the Smurfs, right? At some point, like some, sometimes. Some, sometimes it was eat them. Sometimes it was make gold from them. I don't. I was never a Smurfs guy. Either uh, no, way, the blue bears. the blue guys are dying. So yeah, no sad. gummy bears. I loved as a kid because it was you know you had that cool fantasy element to it and a lot of medieval stuff, which again as a kid was awesome and that awesome theme song. And, you know, a lot of voice actors were lifted straight from, you know, Winnie the Pooh. So it was like, oh, okay. Tigger's, you know, the magician now. That makes sense. Well, as Woundvog put it, you know, Jim Cummings is a national treasure. And I love hearing him and things. So, yeah. So am I the only one with any real strong memories of gummy bears? I don't remember a whole lot about it, unfortunately. So tell us what the actual show is about then. Well, haven't not seen it in a while. Basically, you know, it follows, there's these two kids, there's a boy and a girl. I think the girl was like the princess or something, and the boy was a squire in training. And he befriends the gummy bears, and there's all sorts, you know, kind of crazy adventures, because the villain, whose name escapes me, wanted gummy berry juice to take over the kingdom. And when the gummy bears, you know, drank gummy berry juice, they got to bounce and, you know, jump all around, and it was perfect, you know, Saturday morning sugar-filled kids fodder. Like, oh, I'm going to eat cereal and become a gummy bear and bounce off the walls. Uh, a lot of kind of high fantasy. There's all sorts of adventures. There was, I can't remember the names, but, you know, they had the typical two kids, boy and a girl. Like, actually, when you kind of lay out the color scheme and characters, it feels a lot like Thundercats and personalities. Well, in all fairness, that was around the time when there was... Not that there isn't still a, like, standard personality set for ensemble kind of shows, whether they be animated or not, but... Even more so back then because of the success of things like Thundercats and He-Man and, you know, the Transformers in the 80s. So the 90s got extremely template heavy. Oh, yeah. And the 90s were kind of the dumping ground. I said it before. The 90s were the dumping ground for everything from the 80s. So a lot of stuff got carried over. Uh, One thing I've always wondered, and if anyone knows, let us know in the comments, how they got from the title Gummy Bears, you know, the chewy, fruity candy to medieval fantasy with bears that bounce and ogres okay admittedly let's say i came up to you and was like i want to make a tv show based on this candy that are gummy bears i mean what would your idea be (laughs) i don't know but it wouldn't be this which again i think that's why this show well that and the theme song was awesome but it was such a weird concept it just kind of sticks with you 
Well, speaking of awesome theme songs, the next show on our list has arguably the greatest animated theme song of any cartoon on any channel, and that's DuckTales. Yeah. Oh, God. Another one that, again, I have forgotten so much important stuff, but I will never forget DuckTales. And this is one of the ones, actually, have you guys gone back and rewatched this recently at all? Not myself, but... I know my cousin, when we were kids, had the VHFs for the movie where they found oh, the magic yeah. lamp. So I, I have that one ingrained in my head pretty good because it had all the original cast as well as uh, Christopher Lloyd as, a, as the villain. He played a sorcerer trying to uh, get the lamp. Yeah, well, because... all right, getting, getting a little <laughs> ahead of ourselves here, but to anyone... <laughs> Any younger viewers who might not know, and luckily there's actually a remake of DuckTales. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a remake going on. Every, they know what this one is, even if they I don't watched, know it was originally uh, existing beforehand. Yeah, I know Woundvog's watched more of the remake than I have. I watched the first episode, which was really good. And Yeah, Woundvog same here. Tells, yeah, Woundvog tells me that the rest of it that he's seen so far was good. But to, anyone, who does, yeah, to anyone who doesn't know, DuckTales is literally about... You know, Donald Duck's nephews, there are triplets, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, living with Donald's... Is is Uncle Scrooge Donald's brother? Uncle. Right? No, he is their uncle, which would make Scrooge the nephew's grunkle. Yeah, grunkle, there we go. Anyway, so so they live with their grunkle Scrooge, who's like the richest fictional character ever. I actually remember, um, I think Forbes did a, a calculation of like various fictional characters' wealth. And Scrooge McDuck came out as like the wealthiest fictional character they could find. Uh, There's beating, a game Bruce, on it too. Yeah, he beat Bruce Wayne's net worth by like a factor of ten or something like that. He anyway, is stupid rich. Point is, Scrooge is this ridiculously rich duck that swims in seas of gold, and uh, they go on Indiana Jones style adventures to find artifacts that Scrooge can sell for more gold. Yeah. No, uh, no, my uh, nephews and niece, they love the remake. Uh, they've actually watched the originals. They like the remake more, but I was surprised because a lot of these ones, they don't necessarily hold up on rewatches. But wow, the original is still awesome. Well, the main thing that the remake does, I feel like that sets it apart is uh, twofold. One is that it makes Donald like <clears throat> an actual part of the story. Like he wasn't really in the, in the original and two, Definitely. it gives the triplet. Yeah. And two, it gives the triplets defined separate personalities. Yeah. Cause in the original, they all had the same voice, but you weren't there for them. You were there for uncle Scrooge and Launchpad. Launchpad. Eh, yeah. And Oh, what was the evil duck's name? Oh, it's going to drive also, me nuts. I'm going to have to look that. Give me one yeah. sec. This is also Scottish. Yeah, this is my first introduction to Scottish culture with these two <laughs> warring uh, misers. If you practice your Scottish brogue based on a Scrooge McDuck impersonation, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm just and... saying as a kid, this is what I thought, you know, because he actually goes to Scotland at one point and fights druids in his ancestral castle. Oh, that and Scrooge has been officially named a uh, citizen of Glasgow. Yeah. Well, now with I don't know about the original, but now David Tennant, who actually is Scottish, voices Scrooge, so he's using like maybe a slightly exaggerated, but still his natural Scottish brogue, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but no, as a kid, that was my interpretation of what Scottish people were. They hoarded money and fought, and oh, way, is, the '90s is brogue appropriate to Scottish? I know Irish brogue, and I just assume Scottish brogue. Scottish is a burr. A burr. Right, yeah, that's what it's called in that accent. So yeah, no, that was. <laughs> I, this is again uh, Axel described perfectly. This was uh, Indiana Jones, but and there was ducks. 
Yeah, and there was a sorcerer duck, and... Because everyone's a duck in that universe. Yeah. No, there's the Beagle Boys. Okay, most people are ducks in that universe. It, it, oh, and it's very the... much the Disney world that it anthropomorphized the animals. Yeah, and there was that time-traveling popsicle episode. and This show had a lot of really great, crazy ideas. Again, right there with a great theme song. And I don't know, I always, as a kid, you know, loved it when Donald came on because like, it was a special guest. <laughs> well, I like that in the new one, he's more standard because Donald has a very, uh, I mean, what, what's the word? Like, Donald has a very specific kind of role in animation. He's an angry straight man against the world, right? Yeah. That's yeah. generally the point of his comedy. So getting just a little bit of slapstick with him in most episodes, I think, is is pretty good. But by the way, did did DuckTales have Darkwing Duck in it at any point? No. I don't think so. But they also yeah. shared a world. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunately, that's they never crossed over, even though uh, Launchpad was in both. Yeah, that's why I was curious. So I have no idea when Darkwing Duck came out and when it aired, so I don't know if it's appropriate for this discussion, but whatever. It is. I just realized I forgot to add it to the list. I'm adding it now. <laughs> well, there we go. So Darkwing don't forget. Duck. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move on to Darkwing Duck before we forget. Uh, this one's going to make me friends. I was never a fan of Darkwing Duck. Ooh, uh, okay. It's definitely was... become more of a of a beloved one as time has gone by. As I remember kid. really enjoying it. No, so, as a kid, uh, this was the one I skipped. Like, if it was like between this and something else, it was like, eh, well. Well, admittedly, Darkwing Duck was a little more adult. I mean, in, in as much as a Disney cartoon can get, I suppose. Like, all right, Wunvog, do you want to give us a, a breakdown of Darkwing Duck? As much as I can remember, yeah, Darkwing Duck was based off of the, he, or he was the, uh, Secret identity of Drake Mallard, who uh, who became Darkwing Duck more instead of being the hero to become famous. And he basically is a like <laughs> Batman style character, and that he's got yeah, gadgets he, and yeah, he uses detective. yeah he uses his tech and his wits to outsmart villains. And I would actually suggest Ulrich you take a rewatch of this because it is kind of a parody of Batman. I'm sure I'd enjoy it more now as an adult, but like as a kid, this yeah. was one of those ones that was like Captain Planet. I'd watch it if it was on, but if anything else was there. <laughs> and I don't know. Like, I've heard so many people like, oh, Darkwing Duck is amazing. And I just remember like, no, that, that, that never did it for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's my deep-seated disdain for Batman, but I didn't hate Batman hmm. at this point in my life, so I don't know what it was. And it's yet another intro in the great intro songs, because I love the Darkwing Duck. Oh. <laughs> I am afraid there's a chunk of my brain that could be used for other things that is just built of nothing but nostalgic theme songs. It's funny. Last oh, year, slightly. I had a yeah, I had a night last year where I was just playing. I don't know what I was playing, but I just went to YouTube and typed in um like '80s and '90s cartoon openings and found a video of like or a playlist of like 500 songs. And so I just sat there and listened to them, and I knew like I don't know 66 percent of them maybe. <laughs> I got lost the other day watching uh, 90s commercials on YouTube, and <laughs> so many commercial jingles are now, you know, hey, you remember me? You forgot about me, but I'm back. All right. I mean, my favorite, I, I think it's a 90s commercial, was the Ray-Ban sunglasses one with the vampires. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so Darkwing Duck, like we said, it's a it's a Batman parody with ducks and Darkwing. Some good villains. I remember that, like more great villains. Art style Indeed. was good, but just, I don't know, this one never worked for me. That's fair. Uh, one of the biggest sells, too, is, uh, of course, the main character, once again, Jim Cummings, just killing it as Darkwing Duck. 
and every episode he would have a little opening introduction for himself that would start with i am the terror that flaps in the night but it would always go off into something different yeah and they ran on and it got yeah, more like, and more ridiculous like i am the fly in the soup of evil it's very uh very much like the tick in that actually oh no the it, tick i loved the tick is awesome I don't you know why the tick works for me. You could almost argue that the tick is to Superman kind of what Darkwing Duck is to Batman. Yeah, maybe it's because there were okay, less puns in the tick. That's why I enjoyed the tick more. And the I don't t- know about less puns, but it was also it had a lot more absurdist humor. It was a lot weirder. I still my favorite joke from that one to go off topic is why are tiny men hitting me with fish? That's your subconscious. Hmm. Wasn't um wasn't Darkwing's catchphrase "Let's get dangerous"? Yep. Yes. I love that. It's a good line. Anyway, let's move on to yet another. In I I feel like maybe Disney just killed it with opening theme songs because Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, Chip and Dale. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were just kidnapping you know composers left, right, and center and forcing them to write catchy theme songs. Because, do you guys still remember the cult episode this show is famous for? No, I don't remember that. I, you I don't, don't remember? Oh. Again, admit it, like I said, the greatest cartoons I never watched. Nothing wrong with them. I just unfortunately missed them. Okay, we'll circle back Ch- to that. I, I did watch Chippendale, just not enough to remember a lot of it. I, I, I do love, by the way, just the last thing with the theme song, I love um, Brentel Floss pointed out in one of his songs that it's basically the same song as the MacGyver opening. And I adore that because it already references Magnum P.I. and Indiana Jones. So get a MacGyver reference in there, too. Well, that's what uh, Gadget was, essentially. Mm, true. So <laughs> MacGyver. To anyone who doesn't know, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is about two chipmunks named Chip and Dale who are dressed as Magnum P.I. and Indiana Jones. And they're rescue rangers because they go on adventures to... Well, really do anything. It's not They fight bad. crime and they rescue people and they break up cults and seriously, there was a cult episode. I believe I it. I do remember that actually. I I still remember the opening just, song. It just flashed into my head. Come along, was, uh, sing a song, join the cult of Coca Cola. Yes, it was a cult oh. about a cola commercial. Uh-huh. They worshipped a cola and you either joined the cult of grape or the cult of orange and they had ninja stars made out of bottle caps that song just like clicked in my brain i don't I still don't remember the episode but i remember that song yeah <laughs> just there was a, memories yep. oh yeah there was a cult of mice that worshipped a tv ad for soda and they formed a cult around it and at one point they tried to drown chip and dale in soda but yeah you also had you know monterey jack the cheese loving adventurer mouse and his uh little fry friend named zipper well their arch nemesis was a cat named fat cat he was kind of a godfather parody well of course, of course. you know I, I start as you're talking i was thinking like i think i was predisposed to like chippendale because you know, how many animations came out that featured rodents right like fifel uh you know the fifel stories as well as uh the great mouse detective which i loved and then i started thinking uh disney must have had a a vested interest in rodent stories. And I went, well, of uh, course, their mascot's no. a mouse. So, <laughs> I think you're reaching there, Ax- uh, Axel. Am I? Their mascot is a mouse. <laughs> it's in the stars for them. <laughs> no, this show is great. I mean, yeah, Gadget, she was always inventing stuff. Monterey Jack, I, I remember like one of the best running jokes about Monterey Jack is anytime he smelled cheese, he just went berserk. 
Mm-hmm. I remember his and eyes going all crazy. Yeah, his eyes would start to circle, and his whiskers would, you know, curl in, and he would just go ch 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 cheddar or whatever the cheese was that uh, he yeah, had to have. And no, this was again uh, a lot like Ducktales. It's an adventure one, but told from the perspective of you know mice and instead of ducks. And they built all their own equipment, so that was really cool. Like they had that weird plane thing that okay it had a balloon that part makes sense but then it had wings that somehow propelled it forward and i i just i never understood that i got nothing i have no idea (laughs) one of the biggest memories i have of this is just how uncomfortable listening to the actors who played chip and dale sounded before they pitched the voices up because again for those who don't know chip and dale they are famously known for the high-pitched, squeaky voice, very much like Alvin and the Chipmunks. So when they're recording, the actors usually have to talk very deep and slowly so they can still be understood. And seeing a recording of that is really unnerving. Yeah, because it's one of those weird childhood things. It's like, wait, that's what they sound like? I actually Basically. don't really remember a whole lot of, like, ep- well... I liked Alvin and Chipmunks too, but that's uh, an '80s show, so we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. No, there the episode like I don't know. I really enjoyed this show. Like I said, there was the cult episode. There was the one where they found evil gadget, and they wanted they started trying to sacrifice real gadget to a volcano. Now, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Chip and Dale as characters originally existed as like part of animated shorts of like being adversaries of like Donald Duck, didn't they? Yeah, they always yes. were antagonizing Donald Duck and they looked almost the same except Chip had a red nose. Yeah, and then this they separated them from Donald Duck, gave them a bit more separate personalities. Are you sure it was Chip? I thought it was Dale that had the, the red nose and was kind of goofy. Yeah, Dale Dale has the red nose and uh kind of buck teeth. Yeah, okay. This is another one of those weird ones. It's like Disney said, we have all these old properties, you know, and we already got really successful with that gummy bears. Maybe we can make uh, an action and adventure hybrid with uh, Chip and Dale, you know, pitch it as MacGyver meets Indiana Jones. I remember for some reason thinking it was connected to the rescuers down under, but that's just because my little brain was like, oh, rescue, rescue, same word. Well, very similar aesthetic More mice. design. Sorry, I have a new conspiracy theory to, to dig into. <laughs> but but before I do that, we can talk about a whole different set of animals in Tailspin. Another great theme song that is still in my head all these years later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is one of those weird ones. It's like, how oh, we got this uh, jungle book. Think we could make anything with that? Whose idea was it to take Baloo and be like, you know, what if he flew planes? Because <laughs> sky pirates are awesome. That's basically it. Now, I'd say it... Oddly enough, this is kind of my Darkwing Duck for, like you were saying, Ulrich, that I, I couldn't, as a kid, get the like separation from Jungle Book, and it just weirded me out, so I never watched much of, much of it. Oh, I loved but, this one. Well, like, it doesn't help that the, <laughs> it's using characters from Jungle Book, but in situations that were never possible in original Jungle Book. It's not like, it's not like taking Donald... <laughs> And Scrooge and like, all right, we'll do more with them because they were always, you know, humanoid. But the the animals in Jungle Book were animals. Yeah, they could speak, but they lived in the forest or in the jungle, not the forest. Shere Khan had a jungle in his office that he played in sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but but you get my point. Like Baloo, <laughs> well, I know, I was always... 
Baloo wasn't a pilot in Jungle Book. Well, you see, Baloo got tired of living in the forest and led the other animals to up, to, you know, rise up against the humans and kill us all off and take on our technology. All right, now who's the conspiracy nut? Anyway, so Tailspin... You've had a better explanation? Tailspin, if you didn't figure it out, is, hey, let's take Jungle Book characters and use them to tell a story about pilots and pirates and a lot of sky pirates and awesome stuff like that does anybody remember the name of the french sky pirate don carnage <laughs> the voice actor was having so much fun with this again jim cummings oh that's i didn't know that and fun fact if you were interested he reprises the role of don carnage in the new ducktales that's awesome they have set up references to both tailspin and Darkwing Duck in the new in the oh, new good. show. Let's get a crossover. Yeah, like setting up those worlds is like that nostalgia point in my head is just so excited for that. And never yeah. forget that uh, Jim Cummings' voice is like fifty percent of all Disney characters. Oh yeah, no Don Carnage was this over the top, outrageous French sky pirate who was a fox, and he was kind of a moron, but in that you know kind of the lovable sense. I'm not even going to try and butcher the accent. Seriously, go look up it on YouTube. It's well worth the time. You know, it's funny. There's a fine line between an accent that is like cringe-inducingly bad and an accent that is hilariously bad in a way that's like endearing. You know? Yeah. Uh, circling back to the Ducktales movie we referenced earlier with uh, the thief. Who oh boy? Oh yeah, that's uh... <laughs> that one has not aged well. This one makes the mummy look sensitive in comparison. So what was... Now, Tailspin did that thing, too, that a lot of shows or movies or things that were like, all right, we're going to take characters already existing and put them in a new situation, but we have to add a POV character, so give them a retconned nephew or cousin or, or something like that as a little kid. So Baloo, or maybe it wasn't Baloo's, but there was a little, like, a young bear kid, right? There was two. There was the little girl... And she was the daughter of the lady, whose name escapes me, who owned the company that, you know, owned Baloo's plane. And then there was, I think his name was Kit, and he was Baloo's orphan that he adopted. It was like, you know, stowaway on the plane, and he cloud surfed. Oh, yeah. Cloud surfing. That looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, back before we realized that's, that, that's not how that works. By the way, as a side note, can we agree that the worst animated kid character retcon, at least to my eyes, is Jade from Jackie Chan Adventures? God, I hate her. Anyway. <laughs> we'll talk well, about that in the 2000s. I'll just, I'll just preface that by saying I've heard her frequently compared to Scrappy-Doo, so I yeah. can understand that feeling. That feels harsh. <laughs> it feels apt. <laughs> Again, that's another oh, decade. Boy. You get there. No, and I love that King Louis had this cool, you know, bar hideout smugglers co-violent. You know, there were a lot of issues with the live-action Jungle Book they released, but casting Christopher Walken as King Louis was one thing that I thought was amazing, and he was great in it. And now I just kind of permanently think that. <laughs> no, I just remember, I don't remember what the context was, but this is one of my two favorite episodes. King Louis' club is under assault. I think uh, Don Carnage and the pirates. And so King Louis pulls a button and it transforms into this fortress complete with cannons. Was it a jazz club? It better have been a jazz club. I think it was a jazz club or some, you know, big style fancy club. But I just remember it's like, holy hell, King Louis ain't messing around. You're like, oh, you want to come and face my cannons? 
But again, in a world with, you know, frequent attacks from sky pirates and that one woman with the mini dinosaurs, which I always loved as a kid, and his stupid lion mechanic that was a total idiot, I think was also voiced by Don, uh, John Cummings. Jim Cummings. <laughs> Jim but, uh, Cummings, there we go. I'm trying to always... Character actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I love this show. Bright colors, cool playing. Tales was another one that, like Chippendale, I actually watched a lot of and don't remember anything about so uh, this is pretty early on in the 90s though so we're all fairly young i think you guys were both a little bit younger than me but yeah so, i would have probably been uh, what what years did it come out do you know uh this is like 91 to 93 oh i would have been an infant when it was I first out i think for tailspin yeah yeah it uh premiered in 1990 okay so we were mostly we were catching rebounds but still yeah, like it ran syndication through like up through like probably ninety eight well, or this, so. They were still doing the Disney afternoon. Most of this stuff was all on Disney afternoon. Yeah. So now the uh, the concept of let's take characters from a movie and put them in a situation that is completely different from their movie intended, which is Tailspin. The opposite of that would be, hey, let's take a character who's famous for a certain kind of comedy and put them in literally just that situation as a show, which is Goof Troop. Because Goofy is most well-known, if you look at his old animations, for being essentially just a suburban guy dealing with suburban guy problems. He just happens to be super clumsy and deals with them poorly. So let's literally put him in the suburbs with a, with a kid and bad neighbors. So Yeah, this was a weird one that, again, I just want to be... I wish I could have been sitting in the Disney you know, board meeting where they're talking like, all right... We got that, you know, Gummy Bears show to work, and that DuckTales has been a hit. Chip and Dale, who would have thought that one? Tailspin, eh, that Jungle Book property, but this one, Goofy in the suburbs, no way it's going to work. But we got Pete. You got Pete, you say. All right, all right, let, let's see where you're going with this. See, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like, like I said from my whole intro, I feel like putting Goofy in the suburbs is perfect. It is literally playing to Goofy's strengths. So, also, elephant in the room, and everyone online knows this, but if you somehow missed it, Goof Troop is the show that canonically makes Goofy the only Disney character who has to have had sex because he has a child. Well, well, Pete too in that case. True. Yeah, but Pete's like a you know what I mean. Like <laughs> Goofy's like a main Disney character. Pete has yes. always been. Oh, now always been now people are gonna come out of the woodwork. How dare you disgrace the name of Pete? Oh, <laughs> well, to be fair, man, Pete was in the very first Disney cartoon as the villain. Yeah, yeah but I mean, he's still saying he was. He was still guy. there. He was. He's he's always been the foil, though. Yeah, but I would say that there's an interesting psychological thing that it's easier to think of villains getting it on than heroes when it comes to... Anyway. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move away before we really delve into some creepy wrong stuff. Well, actually, also, one more one more dark thing. Um, they uh, never say, like, what happened to Goofy's wife, but they imply several times that she is dead. Not just left him, like, but is dead. Right? It's True. a Disney cartoon. What do you expect? Yeah, but it's like a Disney cartoon show, and the shows didn't really deal with that. So, if you want to move more into conspiracy theory again, uh, an interesting thought is uh, when you look at how Goofy and Pete's wife act together, like she's super f- uh, friendly and kind of flirty with him. Some mm-hmm. people. Some people have wondered whether or not she was intent. She was originally going to be Goofy's wife, but they didn't want to, like, I guess, quote unquote, tie him down. 
<laughs> yeah, they never did anything with that. Though, it's funny, they always had the more interesting story. Pete and his family were ten times more dynamic and interesting than Goofy. Well, because Goofy is meant to be... I mean, Goofy is like the king of animated slapstick. He's the Three Stooges rolled into a single character, right? So... Pete and his family got to have a much more dramatic dynamic because they felt a lot more like a contemporary family. Like Goofy is literally a in Goof Troop anyway. He is a cartoon character shoved into a largely realistic behaving world. So that's what's interesting about him. But Pete's family is literally just a contemporary suburban family. So is this the first one we don't remember any specific episodes from? I Honestly, don't know if I watched much of Goof Troop myself, but I know I, I watched a bunch of it. But I just I know in, jokes. I know in deep detail a Goofy movie, which is yeah, a, I know is what great. spawned from yeah. it. No, I think this is the first one that again I watched a lot <laughs> of this, but I honestly don't remember any whole episode plots. I will say though, going back and rewatching, uh, I don't remember. If he, I'm sure he was in the show, but um, the obviously Polly Shore character. <laughs> I wish I he didn't exist. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure he was movie only. Yeah, really? I feel like uh, I yeah, remembered that. Yeah, in the uh, in Goof Troop, it was always just Max and and PJ. All yeah. Right. All right. So should we move on to what I will plant my flag and say was the greatest Disney '90s cartoon ever? Disney '90s cartoon, great. It depends on what your definition of great is. But last, I will say that um, Goof Troop, like I said, uh, Goofy in the Suburbs. If that, uh, just watch a Goofy movie. If you're interested in that, if, if you like that, go and watch the show. Or anyway. backwards. No, I will. I will die atop this hill. Gargoyles. I will stand by you with that flag. Gargoyles is the motherfucking best cartoon Disney ever produced in the '90s with their theme song alone. You know, by with those. With that number of like modifiers in the 90s... Yeah, sure, I agree with you. I don't see any show on this list, except maybe DuckTales. I could maybe see that one giving it a run for its money, but I, I would like, no. not necessarily argue. Okay, that theme song is right up there with X-Men in that you know, it pumps you up and you're ready to go fight and do stuff, and it has Vikings and mythology and gargoyles. This was made cut from a whole cloth, and I can probably say I own both seasons on DVD when they were, you know, at Walmart in the bin for $5, and I love them, and Slagathor thinks I'm crazy and keeps asking when uh, Goliath is going to get it on. Ed, I, I wish I had this on DVD right now, but I had uh, I had the original movie, which I think is kind the of just first the first few episodes. movies. Yeah, the yeah. first, like, like, when they're fighting the Vikings and it's all awesome and magic-y, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, this uh, show is awesome. Yeah, to give, to give context to what I do agree with Ulrich as a wonderful show. It is in a story about, of course, the gargoyles, a, a group of monsters that in Viking era, Europe protected a castle that they would turn to flesh during the night, uh, but turn back into stone during the day. Now, not to get too in depth with the, with what the first four episodes go through, but, they get put under a curse that says they will remain stone until the castle rises above the clouds. So an eccentric millionaire from New York literally has the entire castle lifted and placed on top of his skyscraper, literally above the cloud line, to which the spell's broken and they become alive once more. Yep. 
and it's the so, future, and they take their names after uh, New York landmarks. Yeah, like uh, Broadway and stuff like that. Um, Brooklyn I have, and Bronx, and oh, I, I love three, the show. Lexington. Three, yeah, Lexington. I have three quick things to say about Gargoyles before we uh, continue. One, um, Ulrich said both seasons because Gargoyles has a third season. No, it doesn't. Barely <laughs> bad, which right there is reason enough why something like DuckTales can arguably be better because you don't have to have that kind of uh, the modifier. creator has <laughs> disowned and said season three is not canon and therefore does not exist. The creator himself did not work on it, did not want to continue the show past season two. And well, until so some... Disney basically just let him go and kept the show going. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, you know, watch it. I'm just saying that the fact that you have to have those modifiers is a problem, right? Like, anyway, two... DuckTales does not have a beautiful, beautiful interracial love story. <laughs> two, the main gargoyle named Goliath is voiced by Keith David, right? Keith, Keith David. Panty dropping David. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that, that's like I was gonna say for me, like the intro song. You said it got you hyped. I don't really feel anything for the intro song. I think the fact that it has no lyrics and is just kind of there, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. But Keith David's voice alone was my like reason to watch because it, <laughs> it, it he's so high. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got. Most of you playing at home. <laughs> uh, and third, and this is fun. A lot of the, or maybe not a lot, but like a good number of the voice actors were actors on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like the entire main cast was pretty much lifted from uh, Star Trek. Yeah, like Brent Spiner, who was Data, as well as Jonathan Frakes. Uh, Jonathan Frakes, who was Riker in Star Trek, was the eccentric billionaire. Xanatos. Yeah, Xanatos. Yeah, uh, Marina Sirtis, who was. Um, the Betazoid, whose name escapes me for some reason, I feel bad as a Star Trek fan, but she was um, the main female gargoyle. Demona. Demona, thank you. She had a great story in that, you know, she hated humanity for what they did. Troy, sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, man, this show taught me so much about so many things. Mythology, Shakespeare. I mean, Macbeth is a villain in this series. Like, a reoccurring villain. And he has a laser gun. I mean, come on. Like, you think Macbeth is already awesome, and then you give him a laser gun and a flying, you know, motorcycle? All right. <laughs> and they do, they do, they did some really crazy, interesting things throughout the series. Like, Ulrich has been talked about a lot, too. It's like, they also do a, a very interesting story throughout the series of unrequited yet mutual love. I don't know. I think near the end of the season, they pretty much came out and said that if they could figure it out, it was happening. Well, that was the thing. Like Goliath and the um the main human woman, they had kind of a, yeah. At least they had kind of like a thing, but not a thing because like reasons. I said, the last couple, like the last yeah. season, they're pretty much stating the, like, no, nah, they're rocking the boat. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the setup for it too. Is like in a lot of the earlier seasons, they they agree, or well, they never say it flat out to each other, but they do state that you know there are feelings there, but they don't know if or even how they could be requited. But yeah, as I said, like near the end of the series, it starts turning into like, you know, whatever. We love each other and we'll make that work. Yeah, so a great message, especially for the times. Now, this one's unique because I watched this with my older brother when it first came out and we bonded over that. And then when this came into reruns, I bonded with my younger brother, Krug, over this. And now I'm looking forward to when I get to show it to my daughter. By and... the way, the, the concept partially was that the gargoyles couldn't actually fly right they glided 
Yes, they could, they, to... they could glide on currents of wind. That's why they had to climb physically, like, up buildings. <laughs> there was, there is one looming question I have, is, what is Bronx? Good question. He uh, was the gargoyle's dog, like the Zool yeah. dog from Ghostbusters, but what was he? Just a dumber gargoyle, I guess. Yeah, he, that they yeah, kept he... as a pet? It's, it, it's really... Yeah, it's never fully described exactly what he is, but, like, because he is still... A gargoyle in the sense of he, trans- he, turns to stone. he turns to stone in the day, but he does not have wings, and Bronx tends to have a more, like, pet-like mentality. Yeah, he can't fly, he sleeps. It's kind of the argument of why does uh, Goofy get to go in the house and not Pluto? <laughs> mm, true enough. I don't know, this is, this is a weird... Dis- let's, let's move on to the next one, this one's getting well, dark. Well, we're going to we're gonna go through a grouping now that I have very little say on, but uh, next is uh, Timon and Pumbaa, which was one of... There have been like three different Lion King-adjacent television shows now. Well, I know uh, there's there, at least two, I thought there was a third one, but... Yeah, I don't I know, this is the only one I know of. Yeah, I think it's just the two. I remember really liking Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, there is for a- the record, Ulrich, there's currently a show called, like, uh, the lions, the lion guard, or something like that, that's been going on for a while. So, oh, well, see, I don't know about new, new cartoons. I'm old. I'm old, old cartoon. <laughs> well, anyway, Timon and Pumbaa. For anyone, I was amazed to find out there are some people who haven't put together that the Lion King is Hamlet. That surprises me. I guess. I think so, it's uh, one of the, if you're not looking for it and you aren't familiar with Shakespeare, you're not going to see it. Well, for the record, the Lion King is totally Hamlet. I mean, the 100%. Lion King is the series is all supposed to be Shakespeare. The Lion King 2 is Romeo and Juliet, and the Lion King 3, or one and a half, quote-unquote, is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Like, it's all Shakespeare. So, yeah. anyway, point is, Timon and Pumbaa are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, so they're these comedy characters that are meant to just observe and comment on things, so that's generally uh, what the show... Yeah, it was fun slapstick. Yeah, and that's basically what all Timon and Pumbaa was, and I remember thoroughly enjoying that. Yeah, I, again, this is one I don't remember any specific episodes. I remember certain jokes, but it was all nothing but just dumb, fun slapstick. They would usually also have like a musical interlude for us, them singing a song to in a goofy way. The, the only one, that, one I remember is "Stand by Me." That one was always funny because oh, I I do remember that one because yeah, uh, who was it? Timon singing it and put bad yeah. things happened to Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah, like he gets attacked by the creature from the Black Lagoon at one point. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, Timon's just like, you know, stand by me, and anytime he says that, something bad happens to Pumbaa. Yeah, like stuff's dropping out of the sky. It's the only one I remember, just because <laughs> that one was just made me laugh every time. Yeah, the one I remember most was, uh, they're cha- they're both chasing after a bug, singing the song, the yummy, 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 oh, I got love yeah. in my tummy. But that by one. the end, they find out it's a stink bug. Uh-huh, I remember that one, yeah. So instead, they're trying to run away from it. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not. This one was just fun slapstick, not necessarily memorable. All right, let's uh, move on to the first thing on this uh, list that I didn't see any of. Like, I might have seen a commercial for it, but it's called Quack Pack. What the uh, heck? This is when Disney started getting into the more weird animations with their stuff. Like, this is when they started getting into the extreme 90s. Yeah, the really bad, mostly yeah. forgotten stuff. Yeah, you could kind of say it started with Goof Troop because they tried to make, you know, Max the skater, you know, the cool kid. Yeah, but, but Max, most of the time, like, it got a, he got away with it for me because he yeah. was also a goofy, yeah. awkward 
team. He no. rode the line. This one doubled down on all, the- and it wasn't that good. Yeah. Oh wait, was this like was this like rocket power with ducks? Yep. No, that well, sorry. Ish. It, it, it was, was more... Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Donald, and Daisy, and Daisy was a reporter, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie were snotty teenagers. Oh, yeah. See, I never watched this. I, I, the, the, the premise sounds like I've seen a commercial or two, maybe a picture, but I have not I'm watched I'm pretty this. sure it was short-lived. Yeah. Like, the idea was that this is Huey, Dewey, and Louie as teens, and it was the first show that tried to differentiate them by personality. They but unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, in that show, the personality was still a smarmy Jonathan Taylor Thomas for all three. Oh, yeah. Oh, Even no. like the only bit I remember from Quack Pack was an episode where they somehow find a way, probably thanks to uh, the Ludwig von Drake. He's that wacky scientist duck. He found a way to turn all three of the, the triplets into superheroes. I remember that, but yeah. that's, I just remember that they were yeah. made into superheroes. Yeah, it's, but then to try and teach him a lesson, Donald gets powers too, but he accidentally makes himself a super villain. Accidentally. And, yeah, and that was just kind of the that was kind of the parody of the episode. This was not a good show. All right, let's it, move on then. It, it's forgettable. <laughs> let's talk about another one that's probably best forgotten, The Mighty Ducks. Now, if, uh, that was Quack- a movie too, wasn't it? Yes, oh, nothing this, like though. This was two separate things. This is again like we got this uh, <laughs> franchise, Mighty Ducks. These these kids that band together to form a hockey team. What if we made them superheroes and ducks from space? Where hockey? Oh god, like, that's right. Balls. They were like they, they were, were like also 90s. superheroes. Oh man, they were is... uh, like Rob Liefeld kind of looking characters. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Oh definitely. Rob, yeah, you'd see this in an image comic with more spikes. If Quackpack doubled down on extreme 90s, Mighty Ducks triple and quadruple down. <laughs> I do remember saying this is ridiculous. Oh, God. No, this is Disney going, man, them Ninja Turtles sure were successful. It's funny because I feel like the only, only knockoff of Turtles that managed to actually get any kind of traction was Street Sharks because it's the only one that people seem to remember. Street Sharks was awesome. They were and sharks that tunneled in the streets. Far. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Mighty Ducks, I, I got nothing. Yeah, There's I only one thing I remember from Mighty Ducks that feels like a saving grace. The main villain was Tim Curry, yep, and his subordinate was Tony Jay, who you know is Judge Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. They had great voice acting in that, but it, it was just not no... I feel like, I feel like me and Woonvok have said this before, but I want to again illustrate how awesome it is that if you're watching a cartoon and someone sounds like they're doing a Tim Curry impersonation, it probably was just Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he had a very like gung-ho attitude with uh, doing voice acting, which I definitely love. He's got one of those voices that he doesn't have to change it for it to work just because it's so... It's like the Patrick Warburton, you know, that voice just works <laughs> on its own. Yeah, it's just like, but it's so funny with Curry, because it's just like, sometimes it sounds like someone trying to do Tim Curry, and you're just like, I wish they just got Tim Curry for this, and it's just like, oh, that was him. You're having an off day. Well, my favorite example of that was like Nigel Thornberry, where it's like, that's someone doing an over-the-top Tim Curry impersonation. No, that's just Tim Curry. I did not like the Thornberries, but Nigel Thornberry, goddamn. Oddly enough, the same thing I feel like is true for Ron Perlman. Every time I hear a cartoon character, I'm like, oh, that sounds like someone trying to sound like Ron Perlman. Then it's it's just Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah. No, Mighty Ducks, bad show, best forgotten. All right, uh, let's move on to another show that I feel like is best forgotten. Doug. 
Yeah. Did anyone watch this show? I don't hate this one, but this is kind of right up there. Like, if I was flipping, and it was like, okay, Doug's on one channel, and Darkwing Duck's on the other. Like, oh, well, uh, I'm on Darkwing Duck. At least people there are normal colors. Here's the thing about Doug, right? I was a fan fan of (laughs) Hey Arnold, and Doug felt to me like a really crappy version of Hey Arnold. Yeah, (laughs) I'll agree with that. Because it's just supposed to be a show about a kid. Except that at least Hey Arnold was more of an ensemble with crazy, like interesting but kind of realistic characters. Doug just it had edges to it. Doug felt like they had filed off anything interesting. Yeah, I mean exactly. he was in love with Patty Mayonnaise. What the hell? <laughs> also, Doug uh, himself as a character is so what was the best word? Milk toast. He's so boring. Yeah, he very much is. Now no, I would say so, as uh, a. Yeah, I was a fan of Nickelodeon Doug. Like, I watched that pretty frequently. I didn't watch much of it after it moved to Disney. But, uh, yeah, it's like, I would say it feels... I always felt like it was kind of a mix of Peanuts meets Hey Arnold. Like, yeah. that same setup. Like, he's he's kind of the hapless main character like Charlie Brown is. But I think you're both right in the sense that it's it feels really safe in a lot of cases that it it just filed off a lot of the uh, any punch a show could have had. I think yeah. I think that kind of thing works for Peanuts because of the level of hapless happening to Charlie Brown is so like ridiculous, like nothing ever goes right for him. Whereas with Doug Funny, it's like okay, uh, he's unlucky. Name. He's unlucky sometimes, but generally speaking, he doesn't seem really all that bad off you know so it's like yeah and there's not this you know built-in love and nostalgia that you get with the peanuts this is just mm. no anyway let's move on (laughs) yeah it's like most of anything i could say about doug would be from the early stuff which was nickelodeon not disney so it'd have to happen for another day all right the new adventures of winnie the pooh you guys remember this i do i i love winnie the pooh so much yeah this was uh kind of well not my first exposure is that that the one with the um Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear. That yep. intro? Definitely. That's the one. Now, again, this one, I think we all kind of watched. We got introduced with the, you know, the ones that were on the movies that were shorts. And this was same thing. Same. Uh, this is probably where we all of our uh, voice actors we associate with Winnie the Pooh came from was this well, one. Also, here's the thing about Winnie the Pooh. I feel like Winnie the Pooh is so special in the pop culture conscience. Like, no one dislikes winnie the pooh right you could be like the most jaded you know pessimistic person and if you still you know don't like winnie or you know don't like eeyore don't like tigger then you must not have a soul or not be human you're an alien in disguise i don't if i can dust off this old chestnut do you know who doesn't like winnie the pooh who nazis that's who oh there (laughs) you go (laughs) again this one i don't remember a lot about probably because of my age but i still have warm feelings thinking back to it yeah. It's like it's like when I played Kingdom Hearts and I go to the Winnie the Pooh levels. It's like oh, there's no combat here, but I just spend time with Winnie and the gang, and that just feels awesome. I went and saw the the Christopher Robin movie last year, and I, that got me like teary eyed. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, it just yeah, it just makes you feel, it just is like makes you feel good. Like I have a I do have a personal connection with Winnie the Pooh. They were actually the very first books I recognized I could read. Like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was just like, oh, the, these are words that my brain is actually forming into something coherent. I can read now. 
That's and, really cool. I don't yeah, think my memories it, go back that far. Yeah, and it was uh, Winnie the Pooh, and that's like it, it's such an exciting like memory for me. Yeah, the, <laughs> Doctor Seuss has to be it for me just because of the amount I had as a kid. Uh-huh. Anyway, we've been talking about Winnie the Pooh as a general <laughs> concept, which is why it's actually really hard for me to think about anything that this show did specifically because Winnie the Pooh is one of those things where like all of its different incarnations kind of all swirl together in my brain. Yeah. So, yeah, I do know, I do know of one episode from this show in particular, and it was they're trying to cheer up Eeyore because they're worried he's depressed. Because for most of the episode, he's just he goes off on his own and just sits on a hill by himself, and everyone's trying to be kind to him, and it doesn't seem to work. But at the very end of it, he takes them all to the hill he's sitting on, and. As the clouds go away and it's turning into sunset, a huge rainbow shows up, and he just says, "You know, you're all you're all so kind to me, so I figured I'd share this spot with you." And it's just like that's really beautiful, and it shows like you know even even though you might not see it, just the act of kindness can mean so much to somebody. Well, Eeyore especially represents <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of interesting, complicated emotions for. You know, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of complicated emotions, Hercules. <laughs> Who? Uh, you know, watching what the process I... of zero to hero. <laughs> uh, you know what I actually remember most about Hercules? How it ruined a potentially great crossover connection by introducing Triton as a character and having him not be Triton for the Little Mermaid. <laughs> eh, I'm okay I... with that. There were two movies based in pretty interesting, like mythology kind of stories, and they was yeah. Perfect but do you remember the Little Mermaid cartoon? No, no, I'm not saying the cartoon. I'm just saying in general, like before they introduced Triton and Hercules, you could be like, oh yeah, Hercules, Little Mermaid, same universe, all that. But then they just straight up introduced Triton in Hercules, and he's a but fish. That's from the... No, they introduced Triton. They they he's oh, in an episode. They? He is Triton. in an episode. Yeah, Triton is in yeah in the mythology a son of Poseidon. Yeah, yeah. I was just okay. <laughs> no, I just remember I love their interpretation of Aphrodite. She was hilarious. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, every time she showed up, it would be in her shell with her with a little theme like building and, up to Aphrodite, Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Yeah, and she was voiced <laughs> by uh, Lisa Kudrow, and that and, you know very much similar <laughs> to her friend's style. And yeah, she was she's, sassy and hilarious. Yeah, she's all she's like zany and erratic. Uh huh. No, I don't. I don't remember. Did they actually get James Woods? Uh, I don't think so. I well, actually, they may have. They may I'll, have. I'll check that out. But no, this one was really kind of fun because I really enjoyed Hercules, and this one just had so much fun with the mythology. Yeah, I, that's another thing. I remember liking what little I saw of it, just because you know mythology buff in general, but. I don't really remember it, so I mean that's true of a lot of the shows in this this list we're talking about. I feel like, but yeah, that's the case. Yeah, James yeah, Woods did reprise his role as as Hades in the show. Okay, awesome. yeah, it's had a great voice cast, great animation. I mean, this is just Hercules in his teenage years, and more. If you liked Hercules, you'd like this. If you didn't like Hercules, you'd probably like this, just because they really leaned into the cheesy pop culture. Oh yeah, skew that they were going with. Yeah, so it's like if you're all right with some dated humor, you'll probably enjoy it more. But especially, uh, they they really went to like some bits of corniness with uh, the Greek jokes because I know his two friends in high school were Pandora, who opened the box, and 
Icarus post flying too close to the sun, which yeah. also which also kind of fried his brain. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, the show was a yeah. lot of fun. Um, not necessarily memorable, but I, I said there's a couple of good jokes, yeah. especially Aphrodite. Yeah, uh, I, I remember two major episodes. One being Hercules borrows Athena's owl of wisdom to try and help himself remember stuff for Tess. But he, <laughs> he just uses it to win like a trivia game. But anytime you wear the owl, you, you end up knowing so much, you just come off as a pretentious douche. Sounds right. Yeah. And he ends up he ends up losing it in some way, and he has to win it back from two people uh, who are using it against him in a trivia contest so he can return it to that. Athena. Um, I just remember there was like a football game between Athens and Sparta, and Athena yeah. and uh, Ares were competing, and I just remember that was my first inclination that Sparta and Athens didn't get along. Uh, oh. Yes. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, another bit was uh, he, Hercules ends up meeting Romulus and Remus, the creators oh, of Rome. I remember that. And, but I, I don't remember what the episode happens, but after the conflict is resolved, he gives them, he, he introduces them to the Greek pantheon in which he, they give them all their Roman names. And the episode ends with Hades getting the memo that his Roman name will be Pluto. And he's like, Pluto, what kind of name is that? It's a terrible name. I wouldn't name my dog Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> and it just ends name. the episode on him ranting about a bad name. Hmm. Well, we're actually, uh, we're just about out of time. We've got three more <laughs> shows on the list, none of which I have anything to say about. So, um, What's his name the real quick? In the interest of time, the last shows we had listed were 101 Dalmatians, which Never I really don't remember it. at all. Same. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, Bonkers, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, that was kind of a pass. Yeah, Bonkers was a was a uh, almost a continuation of like Who Framed Who Roger Framed Rabbit World. I always and, imagined uh, it was set in that same universe, but it wasn't very good. Yeah, no, it's like it it kind of was hit and miss with the humor, and it had a really bad release schedule, which left it to be very confusing for the people who watched it. Yeah, there was very bad continuity. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Aladdin, which I really only remember for having Homer Simpson voice the genie, which if you, was don't, awesome. have, if you don't have Robin Williams, you, know, you could do worse than, than that guy. You know? oh, yeah, yeah, no, and this, he, this he was did awesome. well. If you enjoyed the sequels to the Aladdin movie, you will most likely enjoy the series. It, it just had some fun. Uh, sword and sorcery. Yeah, new adventures. Like There's an episode where a one of the villains curses Aladdin and he and turns him into a shark, which is uh which was a terrifying transformation to watch as a kid. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember also they had to come up with ridiculous reasons why Genie couldn't just fix the problem by snapping his fingers. Yeah, and usually it was just other magic that either trumped or countered him. That's when they introduced the sexy green genie. Yes. I had <laughs> forgotten about that. Yeah, there was an episode of a of another like orphaned young kid who found a magic another magic lamp with a female genie that genie had a uh, thing for didn't we all <laughs> well, anyway if, if you want to go down that rabbit hole of of uh non-human creatures to be attracted <laughs> to disney started a lot of them yeah, well, yeah. Uh, as as I can definitely say that Disney <laughs> Robin Hood created many a furry, 
Anyway, so <laughs> suggestions of the week. Ulrich, you want to lead us, lead us in? Yeah, just give me a second. <laughs> it's got to cool down after, the, after you said the F word. <laughs> Alright, I stumbled upon a great little YouTube channel called Shut Up and Sit Down, and they review board games. Like, in little 30 to, you know, 40 minute, you know, I think it's like 15 to 20 minute, you know, episodes. They, you know, unbox a game, play through it, talk about its strengths, its weaknesses, and they've got these great little sketches intermingled between them. Uh, my personal favorite is they're talking about, oh, I can't remember what it's called, because I've binged a lot of their stuff this weekend. It's a Viking invasion game, and, you know, they say, now every few turns, there'll be a reinforcement of uh, Vikings coming into England, and you'll have to rally your English nobles. And it cuts to a scene of the one guy, you know, calling up his friend, and his friend goes, what? There's how many Vikings? Damn it, I'm on my way. And there's great little jokes like that, Springfield, and it's a great little way to go, huh, I saw this board game in my local hobby shop game shop wherever you buy your games i'm curious if i would like this and you get to watch them you know set it up play it and talk about its strengths and its weaknesses and then kind of come with review going yeah this is good or this is only good if you have x amount of people or this is a definite game to get so yeah give them a check uh check them out they're worth it well as i've been a fan of tabletop with will wheaton before this sounds like it's up my alley yeah it's like a shortened version of uh tabletop it's, a, it's only dangerous for me because anytime I see that and it's a game I like, I'm like, oh no, I have to spend money now. <laughs> anyway, my suggestion of the week is I finally caught up on all of Black Mirror, right? And me and Ulrich talked a bit about this before, but I want to specifically, now I've seen Bandersnatch, the interactive... Demon Lion! <laughs> the interactive Black Mirror choose-your-own-adventure movie, but I think... Calling it a game is more appropriate because that's really yes. what it is. It's a game. And I watched it. Actually, first I watched it with Woundvog. We did it uh, together the first time through. And then I had watched fun. Yeah. And I, now I've watched, played it like four more times. I found all, I think all like nine endings. And it's really good, if, especially if you like kind of creepy meta commentary. If you like choose your own, me and Woundvog were in a car talking about choose your own adventure stories when we were kids like i remember reading all the goosebumps ones and <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing uh give banner snatch a shot it's a really good version of what it's trying to be yeah, yeah i'll I say not a lot of flack but i don't think it was deserved yeah i i feel like it's exactly what i'd want from a visual representation of a choose your own adventure yeah but god that stupid demon line haunted my dreams for weeks well it's funny because i read that most of the controversy Raise had him. To do with people who like didn't like that they had to make decisions and i was and i that's what i heard uh, the controversy was and i was uh, like it's a choose your own adventure story i heard people didn't like that there wasn't a good ending it's like well yeah there is always a, there's definitely maybe. a good ending <laughs> there are several <laughs> People said they couldn't. I didn't. I got bored after looking for a while. But, you know, I love what the creator said. said who says there has to be a happy ending? I mean, this is Black Mirror. Okay, yeah, my, well, my argument to that would be, for both of those compl uh, complaints, is, one, it, it's a choose-your-own-adventure story. Two, it's a horror. In both those cases, kind of, what did you expect? No, no. no what, they're, what they're probably saying is... <laughs> There's no ending, because the, the plot of Bandersnatch is that you've got a video game designer in 1984 trying to create a choose-your-own-adventure game. So, mm -hmm. you know, men there. But the point is that his main desire is to make a successful game. There is no ending in which he makes a successful game and gets to yeah, enjoy gets its success. 
there are endings in which the guy is fine and comes out fine, but the game fails. And there's an ending where the game is amazing, but he is not. But it's like <laughs> I don't need one that's all of that. In fact, I feel like the one where the game comes out fine is it uh, comes out perfect is actually supposed to be the this is the ending, you know? That's what's been widely accepted, that that is the true ending as much as there is one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Woundvog, <laughs> do you have any suggestions for us? Yes, and it's something I've been waiting for for years is Christopher Paolini, one of my favorite fantasy authors, has finally returned to his Allegasia stories with The Fork, The Witch, and The Worm. Which, this if you don't the, know... Hold on, this any, is the Aragon guy, right? Yes, I was going to say, if, if most of those words were gobbledygook, it's the man who wrote Aragon and that series of books. This is a direct continuation from that cycle. If you haven't read the first four books of his, I would highly suggest them, and then go grab a copy of this new one, The Fork, The Witch, and The Worm. Yeah, and I didn't even know this was coming out. And if all you know about Aragon is that movie, I'm here to tell you that I'm sorry. here has complained <laughs> at great length about how terrible an adaptation that is. So. Oh yeah, I think everyone has. Yeah, it's, it, it's not a good representation of what the story is, and even sitting outside that, it's not that great of a movie anyway, so I'm kind of sorry if that's your only outlet from that. But Wundvog <laughs> has been a fan of Aragon since well before I've known him, so... Oh yes, it's it's a series I started in like either early middle school or late high school. It's about when it came out, I think. Yeah, because that's when I got into it, and it was starting to come out. Yeah, and as a small side, something I've just learned of: if you're a fan of warped pictures and artwork, check out stuff by Francis Bacon, specifically his 1954 painting "Figure with Meat." It's uh, that sounds creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very creepy imagery. It makes me think similarly to the stuff from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, no. No, no, no. Right, well, real quick, can you say the name of the, the Aragon guy's new book again? The Fork, the Witch, and the Worm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but all three of those things are different sub-stories within the book, right? Yes, it is, uh, it is the beginning of a new thing he's that he's just, uh, titled The Tales from Allegasia. So oh, okay. each one is its own short story. All right, well, uh, anyone have any closing statements about Disney in the 90s or any of our suggestions? <laughs> uh, yeah, if we left out one that you think we should have, first double-check and make sure it premiered on Disney Channel in the 90s, and then we're sorry. We tried to get as many as there was. There were, I mean... I, well, as many as there were that mattered. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we put some on here that we just didn't even talk about. And maybe we'll do a part two. If there's enough that we missed, we may come back and do a part two that's, you know, back to the 90s. But I think yeah. moving forward into the 2000s next time we come back to this. All right, well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe because the YouTube algorithm hates us. Oh, it hates and everybody. If, uh, yep. And also in, I guess... Protest not the right word, but if you also know about the YouTube algorithm, then you can instead support us on SoundCloud. I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably already listened to it on whatever platform you're choosing, but if you only know us on YouTube and you're listening to this, you can go find us on SoundCloud instead, where you can download these things and listen to them without having to actually stream them. Well, you know, you could listen to it while you're working out or something. I don't know, but 
that's something we're trying to make happen because SoundCloud doesn't have to deal with the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, SoundCloud's just better in general. Also, uh, no ads. Yeah, and YouTube's a low bar. So, as always, this has been Lord Commander o and his shield brother, Axel Wright. And we'd like to thank Woundvog for coming back on the show. As always, you're a friend of the show, friend of us, and you're free anytime, especially when we're talking about cartoons. Indeed, it's always a pleasure. All right, be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.